freedom and censorship can't exist in the same world. And that's true whether it's the government or private corporations who do the censoring. Hi, I'm Ron Coleman, and welcome to the Coleman Nation podcast. It's a show where I sit down with guests to discuss the future of free expression and thought in our interconnected world. Here, we will focus on issues involving social media, cancel culture, and free expression that everybody who cares about ideas or freedom should be wrestling with. So, the boys and I, Jeff Balaban, Dave Reboy, we was wondering, what can we talk about today? Of course, you're not seeing this today, but today for us is the day after election day. I think we'll find something to talk about. But first, Jeff, Dave, all those in favor of censorship, say aye. Um, all those, no. That's okay, quiet. All those, that's, I, 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 get, I get some quiet. Are I, you I, I anyone against censorship? Oh, well, they might have been censored. So I'm it's going to be against censorship. Yes, I'm going, to reg- I'm going to register my vote against censorship. Against censorship. Okay, so that we've now hit our topical minimum requirement uh-huh. and we can talk about the election. All right, Jeff, one thing you said before we started culminating was if there had been a little bit more attention paid to New Jersey, you think we could have done it. So and, close. What, wait, 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 wait. Look, wait, wait, wait. We didn't do it? We didn't. Well, it's not quite, all it's over not, yet. It's looking, we, by the time this airs, we'll know whether or not we did it, I think. Okay, right. the cemeteries in Newark and Patterson are have still yet to be, uh, have still yet to <laughs> yeah, be. That will not yeah. help us. Yeah, I, you know, without even necessarily going there, I'm not quite sure. You know, it's a genuinely tight race. I mean, there are a million people in New Jersey who are, millions of people in New Jersey who legitimately are happy with being told what to do every aspect of their life. They're called husbands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my wife doesn't watch the podcast either. Okay, so what do you think? Uh, what, what do you, so assuming that if we did do it, then thank God we did it. But if we didn't do it by the time this airs, Jeff, what do you think could have been done differently? Let's put it this way. If we did it, it should have been a shellacking if we eked it out. If we didn't eke it out, we should have eked it out. First of all, going into this for weeks, obviously the pollsters, it's still unbelievable that there's a business model that allows people to pay them money. Pollsters were saying that Yunkin was behind, McAuliffe was ahead in Virginia, and that Jersey wasn't even really close, right? It was, that was ridiculous. So obviously we all knew that Yunkin was ahead at least two or three points, even including the margin of fraud in Virginia, and that, uh, and that Murphy was really on the skids. It was going to be very tight. And it turned out it is very tight uh, in New Jersey. But it's frustrating. I was just looking at some, I wasn't looking at this in any scientific way, but somebody sent around the numbers in, oh, Lakewood, New Jersey, where it was a third of the turnout on the Republican side since, you know, from the last election and about equivalent on the Democrat side. And that is painful. How did that, I mean, isn't that anomalous with the rest of the results, for example, in Virginia? Um, so look, the Lakewood thing, I know we don't want to t- jump right down this rabbit hole. The Lakewood thing is- What's wrong with these people? Everywhere else, there's high Republican turnout. Right. I think there there was a difference that the, it's, it's a very, it's, it's sort of a company town. Uh, and, and the leadership was pushing an agenda of the incumbent and sort of common wisdom, which is not particularly smart. And the base disagrees with it. So the base comes out strong for Trump and they're motivated because Trump's a motivating kind of big personality. And this one, yeah, you know, the figure Murphy's not so terrible. And uh, he's working uh, with us. He's working he's not, with us. He, right. Oh, wait, Ron, that's the wrong hand motion. He's working with us. <laughs> right. Right. So much trouble. Uh-huh. Okay. No, but honestly, that's 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 what it comes down to, which is you know money for institutions, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so, it, 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 it seems to be a disconnect. Though the base did seem to come out um, for uh, pretty nicely, you know, for Cinderella, but the the it, the numbers were suppressed. It, it didn't really generate. Listen, I live 
in in the Nassau County in New York, and there was a, an upset race here also that we knew was going to be very tight uh, for supervisor and my friend Bruce Blakeman, give him a plug. He it looks like well he declared victory, so he won, and that was an upset. And again, low voter turnout in areas which could have given him a dominating lead. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, I look. I, I'm from Jersey. Um, what exit? What exit? I'm from Morristown and Parsippany, and uh, which is where I grew up. My folks left in 2000, so they've been out of there for more than 20 years. Did you see the um, numbers from Morristown that they were sharing? No, no. Tell me, tell me. Crazy. I don't know if it held, but crazy Republican numbers from Morristown. So when I was a kid, Morris County was the most, we, we, we were proud to be the most Republican county in America. And it was always between Orange County and, uh, and, and Morris County, which was very weird. Um, if you think about it, um, all of our mayors were Republicans. And, you know, I mean, you know, so it's, it's almost like a, like a kind of reverse, um, uh, reverse DC situation where like the mayors would go to jail and they come out, they get reelected, and it's uh, you know just just you know no 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 problems. Um, but um, uh, but I mean I've seen what's happened to Morristown in particular over the last several years. I mean it's really become you know it was it was never as much of a of a bedroom community to to Manhattan right. as it once was. But now I mean I'm 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 seeing you know just in the last couple of years and forget about the last twenty so much development in this place it's 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 the the city itself is is basically unrecognizable and and let's say whole foodsified or you know uh gentrified in a kind of blue direction right. so i same assume with, it would... with, same thing with uh montclair where i'm yeah. sitting right now these yeah, used yeah, to no. be new jersey in you, you you were from new jersey you did well and then you got a house in unincorporated morris county right. or in morristown or you know West Essex somewhere, and now no, it's where it, it's where people flee from the city because where Jeff lives has become too expensive. Right. Yeah. I mean, wow. I, I I was nice born digging in, that there. Uh, I was born I was born <laughs> in Elizabeth, and my family moved from Elizabeth to Morris County. Uh, you were born in Elizabeth, was, but your parents yeah. grew up in Newark. Uh, my parents, no, my. Well, my parents, when they got here, they... Uh, my, oh, that's right. You're a foreigner. Yeah, yeah. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a first, first generation. Uh, right. My parents, when they came to the United States, they, uh, uh, dad, was in, uh, dad was, uh, was in Newark and mom was in Elizabeth the whole time. I'm first yeah. generation too, but wait, Dave, you were born in this country? Yes. Well, you, in yes, Elizabeth Hospital. Yeah. Right, where? Elizabeth Hospital in, Elizabeth in New Hospital, Jersey. Yeah. No, I'm also the first, uh, first one in my family born in this country. From where? Uh, father from England and mother from then Poland, now Ukraine. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. I've All just right. got of that on one half. My mother. Sorry, what? My mother is from Cuba. Ah, all oh, right. right, right. Po Poland by way of Cuba. So, uh, Poland by way of Cuba is an interesting mix, and it's not. It's. It, I. I once thought it was very uncommon, but apparently it's not as uncommon as as I had thought. I mean, a lot of Jews kind of went through Cuba. Or, or, yeah, we had a lot of family ended up in Argentina. A lot, a lot of people ended yeah. up in, uh, you know, south of the border kind of countries. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, to the, to the election, you know, in, in regards to, to the election, I, I, you know, kind of woke up this morning and I thought that um, uh, I was surprised. I thought of the late uh, great Bob Grant, who I grew up listening to on the radio, who used to say, never overestimate the intelligence of the New Jersey voter. <laughs> um, and, um, and, and I just assumed for all this time, I mean, I laughed at people who, who thought it would even be close, um, but it's a good reminder. I mean, I was thinking of, of uh, I mean, even if, uh, even if, uh, if this guy, if the Republican doesn't eke it out somehow and they, you know, find votes in, 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 uh, you know, wherever they find votes, um, it's still, it's still kind of heartening. You know, I don't expect much out of Jersey at all. I don't expect anything out of Jersey, but disaster. So, uh, you know, Morris yeah, County, see. look at this. Morris County, Som that's Somerset, uh -huh. uh, buh, 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 buh. Union, Essex. Morris is the big one look, to the left. Look at, listen, at, look at Essex, crazy, huh? Morris, 5743. No, amazing. So amazing. That, that should not even, you know, even be remotely, because, you know, 
this is Biden. That that is Biden country. Essex, of course, you know that's a, a highly yeah. urban. But look at look at horse country. Fifty one forty nine. I'm getting because we're down south. Red, 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 red. Yeah, you compare this map to what it looked like just a couple of years ago. <laughs> There's, it looks very different. Well, we grew up. David and I grew up in a state that was represented that that's consistently had Republican governors. Right. And our idea of a Democrat was Bill Bradley. I mean, that, right. you know, yeah. that was that was a moderate Republican. All right. But what's the big picture, Dave? I mean, late Republic. Yeah. Well, let me take a step back before we get into your, your, your big thesis here. All we heard from our friends and many of our good friends was we're never going to win any elections again because it's all cooked. They've got the playbook now to cheat their way into every election and certainly a red state. And to be a red state, you just have to have one vote more and you control law enforcement, you control the judiciary, you control the state house. You can't successfully challenge any of the, you know, irregular voting practices. And for years, Jeff, as you know, you and I've discussed this a million times, Republicans have ignored this reality and have shrugged their shoulders, and I mean the leadership, and said, listen, what are we afraid of? We're going to always lose in the blue districts. Let's not, let's not rock the boat. We'll outvote. We'll, we'll overcome it with enthusiasm elsewhere. And, and it's worked out until fairly recently. Is this result in Virginia going to make us lazy again and ignore what, how did it even happen? Is it a myth? Speak to me. Hmm. Look, I mean, it's a, it's a good question. Since, since all this has happened, you know, I've been, I've been thinking about it and kind of in preparation to writing a piece. Because last week I wrote a piece about how none of this really matters anyway. Um, and, you know, especially in regards to, um, uh, especially in regards to really what happens in blue states. I mean, it's gravy. You know, I think we should, I think we should celebrate what happened in terms of, um, uh, you know, we should celebrate what happened in terms of, um, of, of, of a victory. I mean, and it's, and it's absolutely right. We should understand what that victory means and where it came from. But I don't think we should allow ourselves um, to get high on our own supply here. You know, I think uh, it, it's very clear that um, a blue state is still a blue state with a red governor. Um, we're, the likelihood that we're going to see, you know, Rudy Giuliani in the 90s in New York City you know, completely, um, you know, completely change the way of governing in a, in a, in a city um, or in a state, I, I think it's, it's kind of, um, you know, I mean, those days are gone. The radicalism of, uh, of the Democrat Party is just, uh, it's, it's just too great. I think the gulf is too wide um, to, uh, to, to kind of come together and, and, uh, and, and, and make, makes, uh, you know, sane policy. Um, you know, but that said, like, hey, we should we should we should celebrate. I mean, we, we, we got these victories. And and what do I think is the most important part about it? Um, I think it's the fact that the CRT issue or more broadly speaking, like the 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 naked racialism of the Democrats at this point in time and their obsession with it. I mean, they it's very clear. Look, when you sh when 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 uh, Terry McAuliffe shows up for his closing argument with Randy Weingarten, you know, um, this is a campaign and this is a party that is completely owned and directed by and funded by the teachers. International Zionists. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I, yeah. yeah. I, I thought I was honest right. to me where you were going with this. Right. So, Look, so it, it, car carpetbagging has become such a large part of the Democratic Party's playbook now. Uh, you know, I mean, the idea that you can take someone from New first of all, McAuliffe himself is not from Virginia. He, but he is of, he is of Northern Virginia. He is a man of that, of, of that polity. Yeah. 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 Uh, but Randy Weingarten, like you're saying, I mean, we're, we're, we're really in different worlds. Jeff, what are your thoughts? A lot, as they say, to unpack. So first of all, 
it's interesting that I've been spending a lot of time in Virginia the last few weeks. And what I was trying to understand was how much of what the bubble talks about has leaked outside the bubble. In other words, is McAuliffe's crack about teachers not having any space to be involved in education, which leads to, you know, the National School Boards Association and, and that letter and Merrick Garland, they don't fight about our uh, concerned parents actually terrorists. That's great grist for the pundit mill, but I'm not sure how much people know about it. Um, Loudoun County, Virginia, you know, that story, that actually broke through. That's something that people heard loud and clear throughout Virginia. But who says that they blame McCall for it? It's the Loudoun County School Board. So it could be that they say, yeah, well, look, the Democrats have, have gone nuts. They're putting boys in dresses in girls' rooms. They're letting them rape kids and then sending them back to other schools. Maybe. It also could be, you know, they're paying $87 a gallon for gas and they can't make their mortgage payments and their kids are sitting at home instead of going to school. This, the, the comprehensive collapse of every Democrat idea and its, and its manifestation in real people's lives makes it almost impossible to suss out what it exactly pushed people in what direction. So I don't know what the truth is of that. Um, have you, have, you, bigger, have you picked up, Jeff, you must have noticed by now that the no one on the left left acknowledges that they're too far left. It's yeah. Sure. Why do we why do we choose such a soft moderate? To, right. To, well, to, we'll oh, oh, last night I didn't watch Fox last night. I was watching CNN, which, by the way, declared for Youngkin at least a half an hour before Fox did. Yeah, well, OK, Fox is, uh, no one understands. Yeah. No I one watched understands. CNN. A. I'll be honest, schadenfreude. I mean, really, where am I going to get a hit like that besides MSNBC? MSNBC I, I, heard, I heard MSNBC is where the good stuff is. Okay, yeah, okay, fine. <laughs> oh, Nicole B, Wallace had because a complete meltdown. That's great. You're, you're, I'm, I'm very torn. This is my, when I'm torn, this goes to what David's been fighting lately. I'm very torn. Part of me is, dear Democrats, I don't really care about parties, Republicans, Democrats, but, you know, for all of our sake, could you just re-sideline the maniacs and get back to being just incompetent leftists as opposed to total maniac insane people, because then maybe we can move forward, you know, and keep on finding our balance on the issues that that we should be fighting about, as opposed to core cultural ideas of what's you know what exists and what doesn't exist. All right, about we're now debating reality. Um, I just don't know if it's too far for that. And for a long time, I, you know, I haven't written in a long time, and I started writing. And David, you don't know this because I didn't publish it. I started writing about the issue of national divorce a couple of weeks ago and then pulled short. Mm -hmm. I just, and I start, I stopped writing because I felt like it's too late for all of this. And mm -hmm. I think that the, the discussion of national divorce, it's, it's a good benchmark for how freaking crazy we've all gotten that we're thinking about, we're going to divide the country, but we can't, because, but we can't, there is no modus vivendi that's reasonable. There is no coexistence possible. So we're looking for solutions that I think are also unreasonable, but I just and, think and, it's and over. And that and that came out when when Dave was talking about, you know, a Rudy Giuliani, a red governor, the it's city versus state within states. The, New York is two states. New Jersey is two states. Virginia so, is two so we states. could turn this into a, so actually what I want to do is number one, David, I want to actually invite you to a separate conversation. Ron, you're welcome to be there. Also, just about national divorce. Yeah, the more you talk, that. the less yeah. work I have to do. Okay. No, no, no. But that's, I just wanted to do that. No, it doesn't have to be this session. I no, to, it has but, to be the session. No, it doesn't. Oh, okay. um, No, but last night. Oh, you want so, it for your. Uh, no, last. <laughs> no, I'll do it on culmination. Whatever. 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 Last night, uh, you get this glimmer of hope that normal people are finally lashing out. But it doesn't seem that the Democrats are hearing it at all. The Democrats, not just the nuts, are saying, yeah, well, what happens? You're there. You're not passing the legislation. You're not, you're not, you're not pushing our agenda through. Really? That's the problem. We haven't actually installed boys in every girl's room. We haven't mandated abortion for every. What's going on here? We haven't cut the checks for four hundred thousand dollars right? per illegal. We no, have. Why, oh, why yeah, only four hundred fifty? Why not seven hundred fifty? Well, that's the, that. that yeah. I, I tweeted it out, which is obviously the lessons are a million an immigrant. Mandating abortion, like going through the list of things that they haven't gone far enough. Oh, I missed that tweet. I want to. I want to find that. Yeah. Tweet. No. Look. I mean. That, look. That's where we are. I don't. I. I mean. As as, as you said, Jeff, we're in. The, we're in the realm of debating reality. 
Yeah. Which is not a thing that you can do if you're trying to maintain a unified polity. You just can't. Um, you know, you can you can talk about different interpretations of um uh you know of how to get to the place where you know you all agree um it would be beneficial, but you know, I mean you, you can't agree on reality. I mean, what what uh you know, I mean what 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 do you have that uh you know that that unifies you? Um yeah, I mean it's uh, I think you're right about that when it comes to um <laughs> what, what is that? Okay, there we are. No, I, I think you're right about that when it comes to the fact that at the end of the day, we really don't know. You know, we really don't know if someone is voting because they're like, you know what, this CRT thing is is complete, you know, insane nonsense. Right. Um, or, you know, hey, uh, it's a Democrat in there now and my life sucks. I'm going to vote for the other team. You know, I mean, high IQ voting versus low IQ voting versus you know, low information, high information, what, what have you. Um, but I do think there are a couple things that, that managed to break through. Uh, the, the election that we did not talk about, which I didn't even know was happening, was a special election in San Antonio in Texas in a D plus 14 um, uh, a district, or at least Biden won uh, 14 points over, um, uh, over Trump this last time. And this was in, uh, in a, a, I think, a 73% Hispanic yeah, area. And um, I mean, San Antonio is, you know, I mean, a lot of people who are not from Texas uh, don't know. I mean, San Antonio is a, is a Democrat machine place. It's not a place where Republicans win elections. And, and it hasn't been for quite, quite some time, uh, really, if ever. And, um, and, you know, so this was a huge earthquake that, um, so, that there's people a, are- there's, I spoke about a lot to, to, to unpack there, because yeah. if this is about where Latinos are coming from on this, there's a lot, and hasta Latino, I can tell you yeah, right. that <laughs> just like all generalizations about all Jews and all Asians and all Blacks. Well, the ones about Jews are right. Who are you oh. to say? Anyway, I'm sorry. Well, no, I mean, Democrats assume that interest groups and ethnic groups follow certain pre-assigned roles. And Latinos are much more complex than that. They were, I mean, obviously, I don't have to tell you, Dave, you're down there in Florida, Cubans and Dominicans ain't the same politically sure. and, in a lot of, and in a lot of ways. San Antonio, you would think, would be presumably overwhelmingly Mexican in terms of the Latino population there. The thinking is... I, I imagine putting myself in the mind of a democratic strategist, Latino, uh, Mexican immigrants want more immigration because it's their family members. It's their, they all, you know, it, it would work for them. That's not necessarily the case. A lot of the people in San Antonio are, are beginning to sound, look and feel and sound a lot more like Cubans. We waited our turn. We've been here 20, 30 years. And by the way, those aren't Mexicans who are coming over the border. I'll tell you a little secret to you. Not all blacks like Hispanics. Not all Hispanics like blacks. Not all blacks like homosexuals, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right. The fact that you can posit this sort of white thing and that everything that's not the white thing is going to be the other thing, that, that's a fallacy. That's that is the Democrat game. A long time ago, the GOP asked me, you know, how, how Jews vote. And I thought about it. And one of my conclusions was, you know, the Democrats have nailed this because their entire approach to every group is we are going to save you from your oppressor, right? And so who's your enemy? So there's a relevant other. So for blacks, the relevant other is whites, for homosexuals, the relevant other is, is straight people. For women, the relevant other is men. And for Jews, the relevant other is, well, if you look at every Democrat approach throughout, it's, it's, it's a variant of white supremacist, Nazi, Christian, because the relevant actual majority in this country to Jew is Christian, right? And they equate all of those. And that's the game they play. And so it is, it is very much a, 
you know, just, just, just picking up individual groups. And so what unites Latinos in that worldview isn't anything about what they think or don't think. It's that there is something that they're not. There's a relevant majority that they're not. And that's the game Democrats have played. It's no longer as interesting to a lot of people. It's, it's not interesting because it's not delivering results. And it's not interesting because people are less and less and less segregated in this country in terms of just reality in life. And that's why Democrats are so desperate to segregate us again and create this idea again that you know this is built in stone and uh, don't believe your lying eyes. Is it possible that the them versus us game is not working anymore, except among a very well defined. I, I, I certainly, I certainly hope so. But I mean, I think I, I you know, to, to piggyback with a point that you made before um, about, uh, you know, let's let's say, uh, you know, blacks and Hispanics and 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 other groups. I mean, you play, you know, you live by the identity politics sword. You die by it as well. And I can tell you in, you know, in with, with a lot of the Hispanics here in South Florida, a party that goes in on BLM is not necessarily going to um, be a party that's embraced by a lot of, uh, a lot of let's say, non-ideologically left Hispanics. Or um, Blacks, or Blacks. Right. I can, I've, you know, I've had, a, I've, I've, I've had a, a very nice run of, fantastic uh, black guests who are conservatives, but they're not like weirdos. They're, they're just people who are Americans <laughs> yeah. and they're increasingly allowing them, you know, they're, they're being heard and they're not being intimidated. And, you know, when, when you have tweets like the one from Howard Dean last night, racism still works in Virginia. <laughs> By the way, have you seen or heard the new lieutenant governor of Virginia? Yeah. So I, I, I was in Washington a couple weeks ago and she was meeting with this group and she was talking and she's hysterically good. She's fearless and she is patriotic and she is incredibly great and fun to listen to. So if, if you catch their clips of her acceptance last night. I have heard great things about her. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Marine, married to a Marine. You know, absolutely without fear, loves this country. Also, first generation. You know, her father came over. Actually, no, she was born in Jamaica. She's legitimately. She herself, her father brought her over when she was very young. But it, you know, and that's the thing. The whole the whole notion that we're divided by these externalities, it literally doesn't exist on our side. And I'm not talking about our side of the aisle. I mean, our side of, of thinking. The, the, if, if if we go with sort of what David's been writing a lot about, and and what I've been thinking a lot about also, which is less about the political divide and more about the cultural divide, the, oh my gosh, it's astonishing that, uh, that this uh, activist gay black conservative is getting, is getting along well with this uh, activist Orthodox Jewish conservative. It's not at all, we all want the same country. We all want to live and let live country where we're actually not being judged by ridiculous externalities. And, uh, and the left can't, but what's amazing to me is there are times that I can't believe they actually believe it. And then I hear them and I realize they just keep on digging their hole deeper. They actually believe it. Right. I mean, to be a black pill here for a second or to, to deliver one. Um, I mean, that's, I think that's great. And that's possible when you have the external force of um, an insane, you know, an, an insane, uh, you know, McAuliffe campaign type of situation where you say, okay, you know, here are a bunch of, of lefties who are, you know, let's, let's face it, predominantly, you know, white, predominantly wealthy, predominantly urban, um, you know, certain, let's say, you know, certain type of person um, coming in and, and, and saying insane things like, you know, uh, denying biological reality or, um, you know, or pushing CRT uh, racialist insanity. Um, you know, I mean, that's the thing that, that's the thing that could keep that could hold a coalition together for a while, but in the long haul, I think at the end of the day, it's it's really one of two things. You know, it's it's either um, it's either uh, you know we are united by race, religion, you know, uh, history, something you know, something very uh, you know tangible, um, or we are united by a uh, you know by a propositional creed. 
And that's great. That's what has been our history so far, pretty much, especially uh, in the last you know, 100 years or so. Um, but the question is, how do you keep, you know, how do you keep a lid on it? How do you keep that propositional creed consistent um, throughout the passage of time? And that's a really open question. Yeah, we've lost and, that consensus on right. key, key issues. And, it be, you know, the fact that it became a routine thing to say, lose the Senate, the Senate sucks, let's reform the Senate. Lose the Supreme Court, pack the court. Whatever isn't, and Jeff and I wrote an article about about the Electoral College back back when we were writing partners, right? But was that back when our ago? beards weren't white? <laughs> back when they were in our in our faces. Yeah, um, that's part of it. Is this idea that we're go, you know we're we're going to talk about if the system doesn't work for us, we're going to we're going to you know change it, but also we're we're not going to even talk about the changes we're going to make. A and B, the shared values are, have cracked up completely. Well, I'm going to, it's not even a question of shared values. I'm actually, I actually go along with David as to how bad it is. I just think it's worse than he says it is. In other words, <laughs> that's really my problem here. My problem isn't that it's, I'm not suggesting that, that uh, there can be re some reconciliation. You know, people are always, you know, do you know what time it is? It's like, no, 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 no. It's way past that time. Barbarians are at the gate. No, barbarians are, have full control. They've been at the on the throne, at the throttle. They're in control of all of it, all right? And because it, it, the politics is way downstream, it's not just culture, it's language, it's everything. And I don't think there's any way back. I just don't think, I think it's so far gone. Well, and you've seen this, David, because some of the reactions to what you write, they cannot tolerate our existence. They wouldn't tolerate existence whether we're with them or separate from them, because our existence, they, they sense our existence as an attack on theirs. It's, it is, it, this is an evolutionary war. We are, it, it goes well beyond America because of its greatness and its freedom has allowed it to play itself out here. And it's going well to just you know. simmer because you can't, you can't have a pitched battle. Well, but, well but we, there will be a pitched battle. Probably, well, I don't know if there will be. The, 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 among the likely outcomes is not... Dave's hope for some kind of negotiated separation among the likely outcomes is, you know, you tell enough people they're evil for long enough, you abuse them for long enough, they're going to react, all right? And the people who are going to react are not going to be the temperate ones who are thought out. They're going to react because they're angry, and rightfully so. They're right to be angry. And I just feel as though the, the two sides that battle are going to battle that out, the, the one side that's already fully engaged in a, in, in, a, in a war for survival, which is to say the left, because they've been battling against empirical reality their entire existence. And, uh, and, and having freedom, you know, it's when, when, there's, when there's an overlay, an oppressive overlay, you don't have a chance to battle against empirical freedom. You're fighting that oppressive overlay. In this country, they're fighting against empirical reality, which is why up is down, right is left, and boys are girls, all right? And, and now, Pat, I don't know if you saw this a couple of weeks ago, Ron, you may have noticed a judge granted human rights in court to an animal, to a hippopotamus, to be specific. <laughs> right. So babies aren't people, but hippopotamus, hippopotami are, uh, you know, but it, you know, we, again, it's one of those things you laugh or you cry. Right. They're just no, it, it's not insane. only late Republic stuff, Jay. It's late empire stuff. This is sure. this is this is Caligula level. Yeah, so my question is know, late Republic could mean like it's 1159 and it's late or late means like, you know, rest it in peace. Ended. I think we're at rest yeah. in peace. Republic. Oh, right. late, no, as no, in the, the late, the late yeah. Republic. Yes. So I think that, uh, yeah, I just think that, that whatever the next, however this resolution occurs, uh, it will be organic and violent and, um, and not negotiated and towards a particular solution or goal. Yeah, I hope I'm wrong. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, when I, I mean, I'm when I read about national divorce, I wasn't uh, urging, you know, some kind of negotiated settlement or, or you know, or an immediate separation. Largely, frankly, because I think we lose. Um, uh, what what that whole line of thinking is intended to do, from my perspective, is is to get people to start thinking in new ways. 
and frankly, to urge people to action when it comes to creating the institutions that we need for ourselves in order to, you know, in order to make a go of it. We can't make a go of it um, as it is. You know, we, 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 we would need a new financial system. We would need new insurance companies. We would need um, Every, you know, everything, everything, everything. So, so me talking about it kind of this way, trying to, let's say, raise the rhetorical stakes, um, I think makes possible having those conversations, at least, you know, in a, you know, opens that cognitive space for people to say, okay, you know, maybe this is a thing I can do. Maybe this is a thing that I can do with my business, you know, is to, is to retool it specifically to, uh, you know, to tailor to like, you know, the 73 or more million people in this country who, you know, voted for Donald Trump um, or who dissent from like the left's cultural orthodoxy. So one of the problems, and I don't know if we talked about it last time, is is I find that when and I'm talking for myself, I, I, I'm pretty sure it applies to you guys, but I'm not going to assert that, that most of the time when I'm making arguments, and this is, again, one of the reasons I stopped, the arguments are about the thing itself. And I realize that most people don't even know why they should care. Hmm. Right. So if we look at our Twitter feeds, I imagine there'll be a lot of overlap. We look at most other people's Twitter feeds, and it's mostly about uh, popular music and sports and or whatever else it is. And people don't even recognize why they should care. And the question is, how do you engage people in? So Virginia may be a good example of where all of a sudden, again, if this is the reason, if the reason actually is what happened in Loudoun County, what happened um, in, uh, you know, with the, uh, with, with the debate over textbooks, to the degree that Olson had burst out on, in, into people's consciousness, that may have been a trigger. And if that's what happened, then the question is, how do you burst into people's consciousness before there's a crisis? And maybe that's what you're trying to do. I don't know. I think most people are utterly disengaged. They try to get engaged. What do they do? Well, they go turn on the news. Well, that's great, because if you ever wanted to not know what's going on, you turn on the news, right? And then you're right back to being spun, by the way, by both sides. Both sides with talking points that are equally inane, right? So if you're not actually paying close attention to it, I don't know that you care. Mm. To me, the question is engagement. It's the first. Sure. Before you get to making the arguments, how do you get enough people to care about it? Sure. Look, I mean, I think external external events push people in that direction um, in, in many ways. I mean, COVID, for sure has changed a lot of things. I, I mean, I could tell you in my life, I know a lot of people who were previously not engaged in uh, political life at all, zero. You know, they didn't know who their governor was and they didn't know even that they should care who their governor was. Um, now with COVID, they're understanding that yes, there's a difference between Gavin Newsom and Ron DeSantis, um, you know, between Phil Murphy and Greg Abbott. Uh, there are you know, there are real differences in the parties today and, and in, and in um, you know, and let's, let's say in, in governing philosophy. And, um, you know, you vote for Democrats in Virginia today, you get a whole bunch of nonsense, um, you know, that, that, uh, that, that, you know, you didn't even think about before. And I think, I mean, COVID itself, just to get back to that, COVID was so huge in terms of in terms of this, and and I guess you saw it in in 2020, and and the um, uh, the the you know kind of the, the build up to the election where I saw a lot of people who were not ordinarily political who were sort of uh, you know who were sort of getting engaged, but now it's so plain to see how uh, you know how how politics can have an effect on your daily life. Um, uh, you know, after COVID that, um, that, you know, you, you're, you're getting a lot more engagement. Now, of course, as things progress and, you know, shit gets real um, and, uh, and, and, you know, the late Republic moves from, uh, you know, a, uh, let's say, how does, how does Mark Levin say, like, a, you know, a, a, a passive tyranny to an active tyranny. Um, then I think more people will sort of come online, so to speak. Uh, well, you with, know, with that, so, so that's interesting. You know, you say come online and, and that has multiple meanings. I asked sure. my barber, who is who is a Latino, um, a younger man than myself, 
an increasingly more common species. Um, I guess that's axiomatic, isn't it? Um, where he gets his news and information, because he was sounding kind of woke. And a lot of it was coming out of just what you're saying, Dave, coming out of his frustration with what the hell's going on, what's happening to our world. And he says, oh, I don't listen to the news anymore. They don't tell you anything. Hmm. They don't tell you anything. I go onto Twitter. I don't tweet. I, I, you know, I go to see just what are, what are people saying? I think the shift is happening. And, you know, the, I think the, the issue is that there are elites who still run a lot of things and they have, they maintain their grip on, or their grips on the controls of a lot of power and a lot of information, but not all of it. And it's a, it's a leaky, it's a leaky dam. Mm. And I really do think that that dam is, is really starting to become unpluggable for them. Even with all the increased efforts at censorship, it's the kind of thing that has to almost be, almost work perfectly. And an argument that I've made for a while is that American society all the poor analogies in how societies become very authoritarian to, 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 to totalitarian, none of them starts with a, with, a, with, a, with a society that has anything like the First Amendment. Hmm. Or even a tradition of, of free speech. Now, what's going on in Australia? What's going on in Australia? That's a Commonwealth country. That's, that's a, a fantastic and an awful case study. I'm, I'm hoping we're not looking at the end of it. I'm, hope, I'm hoping we're looking at the middle of it and that something's going to crack the way things to some extent cracked socially and in terms of consensus in France, but I don't know. I think, I think hmm. Australia itself is a little more akin to the UK than to America in terms of its own traditions of, of related to those kinds of fundamental freedoms. But, I think but America at, really stands yeah. alone in the in 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 the sort of the, the social fabric in, in, that that comes along with that. I mean, I don't know if this is part of the same conversation, but something that occurred to me both in an early comment that you made, Dave, and early and a, a later comment you made, Ron. It was really about the campaigns and uh, and who runs the campaigns and what they think about it and about the the. Uh, the strategists who are thinking about the party, but I think it goes beyond that. And I'm not, again, I'm not sure this is a separate conversation, but for some reason it's pounding in my head here, which is, you know, here's a little dirty secret about Washington, okay? There is literally not one person in all of, of, of Washington, you know, in just industry town Washington, all of governmental Washington, that's actually being incentivized to solve anybody's problems. Okay. That doesn't mean there aren't people who go down there who want to solve problems. It just means there's no incentive structure to promote it. But that's also true. And that comes in concentric circles. Just like there's no one in the media being incentivized to tell the unvarnished truth as best they can. And there's but nobody. The incentives are to the contrary. Well, okay. And there's nobody in many cases. That's right. And, and, and there's nobody in, uh, in campaign world who's actually incentivized to win campaigns. They're incentivized to get more clients, but that's not always winning campaigns. And so we have, when, when people in virtually every other sphere besides this big um, colossus that we've built and its concentric circles, right? Which goes back to this notion of an overlay over reality, which is in our country, thankfully, has always been centered in these kinds of pockets as opposed to reaching out until recently into all of our lives. It almost, people just had no concept of it whatsoever. They didn't understand. I have a great idea and I should be able to bring it to Washington and that idea should pass. And she says, well, no, if let's say your great idea is free energy for everybody and it's only going to cost 10, you know, 20 cents. That's great. But what you're actually now walking into a web that's constructed on just endless billions and billions and billions of dollars of energy costs, that, that is a, that is a phenomenal and, you know, and, uh, engine and also you know a web that, that that ties people together and you're the disruptor so there's no, no part of any of this infrastructure that runs our country and that informs about the country and that guides the country is actually incentivized in a positive way for any of us and i don't know that that could ever change that's just reality was it ever different 
Um, I think that the founding fathers did what they could to build bulwarks against it. And I think that's what, that's what the Federalist Papers, that's what the Constitution, that's what they tried to do because it never could be any different. Right. And we're, look, we're all also so much less intelligent um, and capable than prior generations. It seems that, that you know, I mean, if we're talking about the, the folks, I mean, we all know that we all are familiar with, let's say, the, the folks who populate uh, these communities within, within the Beltway. Um, the level of intelligence and capability just keeps dropping one generation after, after another to the point where, I mean, here we are. Um, I, I think at least, um, you know, the, I mean, the other thing with, with these people is that uh, I think uh, we no longer have a sense of honor in our culture, and that is translated into uh, an elite with a lack of, of honor um, or even, um, you know, or even aspirations to honor. Um, and, and, you know, the other effect that it has, which I'm, I'm sure you'll, uh, you guys will agree, is it ends up, um, you know, when you're talking to normal people who have a normal, you know, you know, they have, they operate in, in, in the normal world with normal incentive structures and things like that. And um, when they see what goes on inside DC or in government, um, or, you know, frankly, increasingly in, um, you know, in elite institutions, even in the business world, Corporate they, border, yeah. yeah, they just look at it and they're like, there must be a conspiracy here. You know, it, it must be something it's nefarious all because rent seeking. It's right. All yes. Right. Seeking. It's 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 how it's, do you get a piece of the action and hold on right. to it for dear life and grow it? That's right. what I, I just want to do an aside here because Ron and I no doubt cracking up at the same thing when you're talking about how our generations are getting successively worse. Just so you know, there's 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 an Aramaic phrase that Ron and I know well, Niskat Noadoros, that generations get worse. And 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 the, the narrative goes this way in traditional Judaism, which is forget about what you I'm not getting into the technical arguments about uh, Torah Sinai and, and evolution or anything else. But if your narrative is built on the idea that God revealed himself at Sinai and, and, and that was the high point. And so we constantly look back towards that greatness, right? If your narrative is we descend from apes and that's the most salient issue, then we're constantly realizing that we look forward towards greatness and we, we, we revere nothing about the past, right? That played itself out not that long ago with uh, Clinton versus Dole, right? When, when one was talking about Dole wanted to look back to, you know, because he was part of, you know, the, the greatest generation. And Clinton started talking about a bit toward the future. And, and, and the left was mocking the notion of looking backwards. And there, so, you know, even that concept, which we have going back, you know, uh, many, many centuries in, in Jewish the, thought is playing the last two years tearing down statues. Mm. Right, exactly. And exactly. It's, 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 it's this notion that what we come from, we, we are, the, the, even Obama's, you know, arc, the arc, you know, this, this whole long moral arc, you know, it's, it's, we debase everything, all tradition, everything we come from, the entire history is definitionally evil. And um, frankly, I blame the Simpsons. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, look, we, we have to, they, well, now we have to, but they have to, you know, in order to have a, um, you know, in order for their ideology to make sense at all, they have to. Um, you know, and that's Marxism. Get, yeah, material in order to get the change. Dialectic right. materialism is about a, it is, it is a religious doctrine. Yeah. And it says that there's a force, a natural force of history that requires that following things will happen and that, that progress takes place by virtue of this force. And it is a move from, from uh, you know, uh, feudalism to capitalism to socialism to communism. And, th and that's progress. Whereas, as, as we've all recognized, there are many things about the ancient world that we would all three of us feel extremely uncomfortable with but no, there's a hell of a lot more that the anxious would feel uncomfortable with in this world listen as fun as this is though let's be honest very few people are thinking about this at this level or or thinking about it philosophically or, or, or you know people are i think reacting to what's in front of them and they're reacting to what's in front of them again whether it's you know gas prices are through the roof or my kids are home and it's driving me crazy because it makes no sense, or they're trying to torture them with masks. 
or um, or seriously, you could put a boy in a dress. He's still a boy. You know, it, don't, don't you know, don't tell me that my eyes, you know, that my eyes are lying eyes. And, and it, that that itself, it, you know, have we gone past the point where people we can't tell anybody that stuff. They're going to have to see it on their own. And the question is, are they going to see it in time? And, do, and, and what then what thing it's done about it? And this is actually interesting, Jeff, because when you were talking about if you look at my, our feeds and other, versus other people's feeds, what I thought you were going to say was, we're past the point of trying to talk about, but a, but a fetus is like a baby, but 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 women's uh, women's rooms and men's rooms should be separate. There's no convincing anymore. There's no argument on the merits. There's no conversation whatsoever. It's only about process. How do we, how do we prevent ourselves from being exterminated socially and politically by those who are absolutely not interested in the discussion? There's no discussion between the two sides on the merits of anything. And people, you have, what astonishes me is how quickly people like Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi, who are even older than we are, <laughs> adapted themselves to being utter bird brains on the issues of common sense. That's because the incentive structure in Washington. The incentive structure in Washington maintain is not power. Yeah, That's right. That's it. Right. And on that note, I don't know, I, I don't know what else you guys have to do, but I think we're taxing, taxing probably our The Green Boys got something to say. He's yeah. going first. Yeah, yeah. No, no, I mean, I, I, I just wanted to, because now that, you know, now that, that, you know, kind of the three of us are talking and maybe we had a similar experience, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm maybe a little bit, a couple of years younger. You're younger. Um, but uh, but it's this topic that I want to bring up with you guys because I think you may have something to say about it. And it's something I've been obsessed with the last several days, and I'm just kind of going crazy about it. Maybe you've seen me tweet. Um, it's in regards to young people today not wanting to drive. Oh, certainly. Not... was also tweeting about this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I th I think I kind of started this um, this thing, which which I've just been noticing. Um, nobody wants to drive and nobody really wants to get their license. And I thought that this was crazy because I mean, I, you know, I, I grew up in Jersey. The right. moment that I got my license, my birthday, boom, my birthday, birthday. You go to the DMV. When I heard about, about the self-driving car stuff, I said, who wants this? Right? Why would you want that? Okay. You want right. to drive. Driving's the cool thing. It's the fun thing. Jerry Seinfeld, what could be more of a guy thing yes. than to go to the moon and drive around? Right. No, no, it's, it's, it's true. And then I started talking to friends of mine who are a bit younger, who are like, let's say in their late 20s and early 30s. And they look at me like I'm crazy. And they're like, why would you want to drive? You can just Uber. And to me, like, this is a kind of fundamental divide in civilization that is not um, sufficiently appreciated now. Um, yeah. And and uh, and even I mean I've got a sister who's ten years younger. She's thirty five, and I asked her about it, and she and her husband both said, "Oh my God, you know, like yeah, of course, you know, we couldn't wait to drive. We we're just, you know, we we're just itching to break the bond between, you know, you know, between themselves and their parents." But are you talking, Dave, to people who are in the suburbs and in more relatively, in other words, driving in the city is a million a times worse. That's than a special it was case. when we were growing up. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. That's a that's a special case. I mean, I've got a lot of friends who grew up in the city, and maybe they didn't get their license until later, and blah blah blah. But like okay. yeah. the, the city equivalent would be, you know, you're you're of a certain age, you get yourself on the subway, and you just start exploring, and you right. just go independently. You know, it's a different milieu. I I get it. You know, when, why do when, I think this is the same conversation about how the same generation also seems to be having a lot less sex. And that's what the reports no. are. 100%. And, and, 100%. And, and instead, like, are replacing it with... Fantasy. Well, well with online behaviors or, or right. you know, or, or, or texting behaviors, you know, which seems like a sort of shadow of, of, of let's say, really driving. So, uh, right. yeah. <laughs> um, and I certainly wouldn't I need be David, some random David, Uber driver to do it for me, but yeah. David, I need you to hook hook this incredibly incisive point into the previous 45 minutes. It's not obvious to me 
Oh, no, it's not obvious to me either, but if, <laughs> if put on the spot, I just figured I, I'd have you guys. I'll you know? give it to you right now. Right? Like you guys are the, here. You want me to tie it together? Yeah. Give it to me. Okay. If you're brought up as these kids have been brought up in a world totally disengaged from empirical reality, you're going to be totally disengaged from empirical reality. You're That's not it. out I mean, on the street. They, 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 they are, they're, this generation is being brought up on a narrative. And I, and I bet you that the distinction is which part of the country they're brought up and whether they want to drive or not want to drive, et cetera. They are being, they've been brought up entirely in, in a narrative that does not connect in any way to anything observable. And so experiential life is something that's alien and frightening and, and, and it's, it's alienating to them. I just made it up and it's excellent. Okay, okay, no, no, I don't think that's bad. I don't think that's completely off base, but as a, as a counterpoint, um, a lot of the folks who, um, who are young are very, very right wing. And it's one of those things. It's, it's like, um, you know, I mean, I saw, I just, I had a poll up. How many, you know, how many of you know a young person who doesn't want to drive? And I thought, I mean, I, I had no idea what I would, what I would, uh, uh, what, what result I would get, but it was like 78%, you know, 78%. Even if you're right wing, but David, yeah. around, I'll, give you, I'll give you an analog to this. Sure. About, about 10, 15 years ago, um, I started getting a lot of calls from like concerned evangelicals that this new generation of evangelicals, why are, why are they less and less supportive of, of Israel, right? And, and to, they had all kinds of theories. My theory was and remains because they've been brought up in the shadow of Oslo and their entire lives. These are good, normal, decent kids with good instincts and good upbringings about what right and wrong is. And they want to do the right thing. And their entire narrative is that Israel is oppressing a minority that just wants to have suffrage. Okay. And even the guys who aren't using, saying that are using those words. They're using, they're using the, the, the Palestinian narrative terms like West Bank, et cetera, which, which have become normalized. And so then you grow up a little bit. And so you're at least struggling with that reality. So it's, it's inconsistent with everything else that they may believe, but, it's, but they're, they're trying to fit what they believe into this narrative. So I'm just saying it's not impossible for you to be young and conservative in many ways, but still you have not been you know, maybe you're getting mixed messages about reality. Maybe you're not totally in the so, world. So of cognitive dissonance is easier to live with when more of your life is virtual, because there are no consequences to oh, things I not adding. I would totally buy that. I would totally buy that yeah. for sure. So just for what it's worth, yeah. Jeremy, Jeremy messaged me before we sign off, suggesting Jeremy, uh, our intrepid producer, rely maybe maybe. This generation is used to being spoon fed. They don't want to accomplish on their own. And in fact, they have really been to a large extent, he's not saying this part, taught to distrust people who do things on their own, as opposed to having it set up for them. You know, they like safety, they want to stay at home, they want to follow the rules, they don't want to take a chance getting sick. Versus the you know the classical American conception of rugged individualism, that's you know that's that's frowned on. Um, right. Well, I for mean, sure. I mean, to a certain extent, I think that's true because look, anytime we get in the car, we've got like a two ton, um, you know, piece of machinery that we have. Come to on, control. what did your mother? What did your mother tell you? What? It's a weapon. It, right. It's a no, weapon. No, no. I mean, at any moment, you know, whatever, God forbid, you know, at any moment, anything, you know, someone can hit you and, you know, I mean, it's, you, you, you take your life in your hands. I mean, there's a reason why, you know, you're driving home, you know, like the other weekend, I'm driving home Alligator Alley at, at, uh, at midnight when there's, you know, there's, there's no stops and no gas stations and whatever. Like, you know, when you get there, call. That's, because a, that's, it a, is a, that, that's a, that's a place in my, uh, a section of, of, of Oh yeah, Miami, alligator, alligator, alligator Alley. Alley is seventy-five, and it goes from Naples to Fort Lauderdale, and um, and uh, and there's nothing. If you get stuck on Alligator Alley, you're you know you're you're uh, you're out of luck. You're on your I, own. Yeah, you're on your own. We're gonna leave you on your own, culminators. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much, Jeff and David. What this is th we have justified the return engagement of this schmoozathon.
And with God's help, we'll do it again soon. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Take care. Hey, thank you for listening to the Coleman Nation podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. If you like the show, please rate it five stars and leave a review. For more information, please visit the show's website at coleman-nation.com. That's coleman-nation.com. Or you can visit my blog at likelihoodofconfusion.com. Join us next time on the Coleman Nation podcast and have a great day.